So, sport in 2021 looks pretty good, doesn't it? And to be honest, it's only going to get better. Across different sports, the present is unbelievable, but the future of each one of them looks even better. So, I'm your host Ani of the Alternate Accent podcast, and on the first of hopefully many such interactions, I want to try and investigate what the next 10 years of sport could potentially look like. Now, I'll be honest, I don't follow every sport under the sun, but I do religiously follow enough sports to say that there's a lot to look forward to in the next 10 years. With Mbappe and Haaland slowly taking over global football, Giannis Antetokounmpo being a two-time league MVP, a finals MVP, and an NBA champion before the age of 27, and with Mats Verstappen looking to become an F1 drivers champion before his 25th birthday, and George Russell in the Mercedes seat next year, I would even go as far to say that the third decade of the 21st century, which is the next 10 years, could be one of the greatest decades of professional sport ever to be experienced by any sport nut like myself. Obviously there's a lot of fertile ground to be covered, so let's do it one at a time starting with football aka soccer. Whew, never going to say that again. <laughs> Sorry to any Americans listening. Football. <laughs> Where do I begin with it? Sounds redundant at this point to say that football's going to become even bigger because let's be honest, it's already the biggest. 3.5 billion people watched the World Cup in 2018. A billion people watched the World Cup final live. You really couldn't pay for such viewership. So how do you make the biggest cultural influence in the world even bigger? Simple. You just keep doing the same thing and throw more money at it. And I'd like to start with a personal favorite as an example of this and how this one example is the reason why I believe that football is going to become even bigger in the next 10 years than it was in the past 10 or even 20 and that example is the premier league yes the biggest league in the world now let's be honest the late 2000s and the early 2010s wasn't very kind to the premier league because of two people Ronaldo and Messi with Ronaldo moving from United to Real Madrid in 2009 and Messi becoming the greatest player of all time yes i said it Those two people being in the same league which wasn't the Premier League did not do it any favors. But what shows the charisma and what shows the glamour of the Premier League what really highlights it is that even after two of the biggest sports personalities of all time being in the second biggest league in the world it was still the second biggest was because of the Premier League. Let's be honest, Messi and Ronaldo were two of the biggest names in the sport, playing in the same league and producing reality-defying stats week in week out. But even after that for those 10 years they were in the same league together, La Liga was the second biggest league in the world. And that's simply because the Premier League isn't based on personal battles but on quality which is sprouted from diverse competition. With 24 different winners since its inception and five different European champions, the English top flight has had competition embedded in its genetic code and it has been hard competition and the very competition has also produced a die hard following over the years and i'm a prime example of that i'll be honest i was sold football as a kid as a competition between two of the greatest footballers ever lived which were messi and ronaldo and i had a chance to witness that live but i stayed as an adult because of the excitement of the premier league and with brighton looking good for european football and west ham becoming solid contenders for champions league football next year the competition is diversifying arsenal's on the come up newcastle have owners richer than the rest of the premier league owners combined leicester making europe on the regular 
So the competition is also becoming fiercer and a lot more interesting. It's like stuff crust pizza. Pizza never needed to get better, but it just did. <laughs> okay, I know I heard that in a movie or show somewhere, but I'm just going to set it as my own saying for now. So bear with me. I told you stupidity. <laughs> so what does all of this mean for 2031? Well, one of the things it means that the top six could become a top eight or top ten. Apart from the traditional top six clubs, Newcastle with their takeover are a shoe-in to become Premier League champions and Champions League regulars or even winners at some point. Leicester, with how well the club is run and the infrastructure developed, as well as the keen interest of the owners in the runnings of the club, could also become Champions League regulars and Premier League contenders or even winners of both the competition uh, over the next, I don't know, five to ten years. And if you think about it, even other clubs like Brighton, Aston Villa, Wolves, Leeds, all have great potential. I know right now it seems like a stretch, but if I told you in 2010 that in six years' time, Leicester City would be Premier League champions, you would have labeled me an idiot and said to try and watch football with my eyes open. I'm just being honest here. Now, extending the argument about competition in the 2020s in football and extending it beyond the Premier League, because let's be honest, all of you are annoyed with the words Premier League and competition at this point. So, extending the argument and Premier League. <laughs> I know, I'm hilarious. So, the next thing I feel that will really bring eyes to the sport and really solidify competition for football in the 2020s will be Mbappe and Haaland and what they will do respectively to each other's game and what they'll do for themselves as well, especially Haaland. Because before I go off on their individual competition with each other, I would like to say that I feel by the end of this decade, Norway will become a regular in European competition. And I say that because I have... We've all seen what Portugal became under Ronaldo. Before Ronaldo was there, Portugal had these incredible names in their history, like your Eusebios, Figos, Decos, etc., etc., even Rui Costa. But Portugal, even after that, only qualified for two World Cups before Ronaldo came there. When Ronaldo came in his first breakout year, he made it to the finals of the Euros, lost it, granted, to surprisingly Greece, but again, made it to the finals. And after that, they have been World Cup regulars. And not only that, they have gone on to win silverware as a national team. And I feel Holland may not achieve that within the 2020s with Norway, but I can see him achieving regular European competition status and even World Cup status. I know they didn't qualify for 2022, but I feel by 2026, they will become a World Cup contending team. And uh, by 20, say 2034-ish, I don't know. Yeah, 2034 will be, there will be a World Cup that year. I feel they will be in at least the quarterfinals because of what Holland will do for Norwegian football. And more than that, having people like Martin Odegaard and Daniel Vass and players like that also around them slowly cropping up from your Premier League teams, your La Liga teams, even from other domestic leagues like Austria and stuff like that. I feel like... That will really help complement Norwegian football. So that's another that's another facet. That's another new team to root for. 
So, Mbappe. Uh, what can we say that has not been said about this kid? Let's just be honest here. He's amazing. You know, leading a team to a World Cup at the age of 19 and actually leading them, you know, four goals and two assists and young player of the competition. And the only reason why you didn't win player of the competition is because it notoriously always goes to the captain of the losing team. You know, Modric, Messi. So, like, give the kid his flowers, I feel. The world is forgetting who Mbappe really is. And... Let's be honest, if you were to stack up the CVs and and compare goals and assists with trophies, Haaland's, Haaland's CV doesn't stack up to Mbappe's right now. As far as trophies goes, as far as goals and, and assists goes, goals, maybe Haaland, I give you that. But football is a much bigger sport than that. It, it encompasses a lot more than just scoring goals, and we know that. But... What would their competition mean for the 2020s? Well, first of all, for their competition to really get kick-started, both of them need to move from the club they're at, they're at right now. We know Mbappe is moving soon because he's not signing that contract, and I feel in January we'll come to know where he's going with the six-month thing where he's allowed to sign. And he's going to Real Madrid. I feel he is going to Real Madrid. That's the place he wants to be. Real Madrid want him, and I feel Real Madrid more desperate to have him than he wants to go there. So that's going to work out perfectly well for Mbappe, and I feel Holland is coming to the Premier League either to Chelsea or to a Man United. I don't know why he'll come to a Man United, but I feel after Ronaldo, that's their guy. And Chelsea, just because it's Chelsea and they need the biggest name to have... You know, to encompass what they really are. That's the way they. That's the way they deal with things in that place. So, when they have that big money move where they can spend those ten years, like Messi and Ronaldo did spend with Real Madrid and Barcelona, then they can really start being compared to each other. And I feel them being in different leagues also complements the Premier League argument. How everyone in this scenario can complement each other to really push football in the 2020s and make it an even bigger spectacle because Messi and Ronaldo being in the same league really simplified that argument of who's better. And because you had the same lens to judge them on, you could look at them through the same lens and be like, you know what, in this situation, they were better or he was better. So you wouldn't be able to do that if they end up in different leagues and the subjectivity of that different competitions of both of them really opens up the argument and gets people more interested, I feel. And though people might think the contrary, I do believe that once you make that argument a little bit more expansive and extend it over two leagues and stuff like that, more people will participate in that competition. And if more people participate in that competition, more eyes on the sport, more more eyes on the sport, meaning just better overall growth for everyone. So as far as the sports popularity goes. So that's that's my reasoning behind it. But Definitely Mbappe and Haaland, that competition. And we know we know what Messi and Ronaldo did for football in this past decade or so, a decade and a half. And I feel Mbappe and Haaland will do a similar thing for football for the next decade and a half. And that's a that's a space to keep an eye on. Before I go on, can I just apologize for saying that Daniel Voss is Norwegian? I just looked him up and he's Danish. So I'm really sorry for that. But uh, if I just may, like even after that mistake, I would still say that there's a solid core there for Norway in Odegaard, Haaland, and even people like Soroth and uh, Elinusi. You know, there's a, there's a, there's the basis of a good team there, and there's a basis on which they can build on. And a decade is a very long time, and uh, I would really not be surprised by the end of this decade if they genuinely are European competition regulars. But I digress. So what does 
the Mbappe Holland rivalry really mean for football beyond their own personal standards and their own personal growth? Well, first of all, we know the state of Real Madrid right now, and we know the state of Manchester United or even Chelsea right now. You know, Chelsea is still doing very well. They're on top of the Premier League right now. But Manchester United, they just had Ole Gunnar Solskjaer stack. They just lost to Watford. So, it really is a difficult space to get into even with a new manager. And I'm not saying he's going to get into that space today, tomorrow, or the next week, at least in January. But I don't think it's going to happen then either. There's no talk of it. So whenever he gets into that space, it's a really big problem to get into. But say hypothetically, he does go to Manchester United as the replacement for Ronaldo when he does leave in two years. We have two of the biggest names in football and arguably two of the biggest clubs in football who are also struggling not only financially but just from the ground up when it comes to their social infrastructure, when it comes to the fans or their team structure or, you know, this just stuff is not clicking the same way it used to. And this will really help boost not only their uh, social media numbers, their popularity around the globe and re- make it reach to the place where it once was, but it could also help boost their image with their fans. And that will always helps a club. Let's be honest here. You know, two of the biggest names in football can do that to a club. Uh, and Mbappe can bring back that gravitas that Real Madrid once held over world football. You know, that gravitas in the name Real Madrid in that white and black in the Bernabeu. It's just, it's iconic, but it's sort of lost that presence it's sort of lost that glow it's lost that shine over the years and i feel an mbappe signing who right now is who will be and is the biggest signing to be made in world football could help really boost that image and really help get back to that place that real madrid was before ronaldo left and as far as manchester united goes let's be honest here they need they need that name more than anyone else right now in world football. You know, Manchester United, Old Trafford's not the fortress it once was. The black and white is not as iconic. uh, Sorry, the red and white is not as iconic as it once was. But it doesn't mean that it can't be changed. Yes, the Glazers are the real problem. You know, they have owners that don't really care about the club until and unless they get that Champions League football, they get that Premier League revenue money, they get those shirt sales, they'll do anything. Why do you think they signed Ronaldo? Because they needed the shirt sales. Let's be honest. You don't sign a 36-year-old striker even if they are Ronaldo. So, I think a Haaland is the only signing they can make bar Kylian Mbappe that will really help uh, certify intent and really signify their intent and what they're meaning to do. They're not only here for the money, they're here for credibility as owners. And though it's extremely hypothetical, I don't think the Glazers care enough and I don't think Manchester United is enough of a pull to Haaland to go there. Realistically, I could see him going to a Chelsea, but that's also a little bit hypothetical with Lukaku there. So, But wherever he goes, uh, any club could use him right now as far as branding goes or as far as on-field tactics and execution goes because he's Erling Haaland. He's proven what he can do. So for Real Madrid, it would mean great not only as far as the numbers go on screen, but as far as the numbers goes on the pitch as well. And if you can build a brand of Real Madrid and any other club that Haaland goes, it is going to help build a brand of world football. And that's what we need. As far as my liking of the Premier League goes and my fan fanboying over their, over their presence and what it means and how it is in England... I do feel that the Premier League has a little bit of a monopoly over world football, which has been established over the past five years because the biggest names and the biggest clubs are from Premier League 
are from the Premier League, even though the richest clubs are outside of it. But once you give the fourth richest club in the world, not only football club, but the fourth richest club in the world, Kylian Mbappe, that monopoly does get a little subdued and it really does expand it to Spanish football as well. And it's a, it's, it's a win-win for everyone as far as global standards go. You know, you get more interest not only in the Premier League, but also in Spanish football now. And all of that, is really done on the basis of one signing because why wouldn't any other player want to play for Real Madrid with Mbappe in it? And not only Mbappe, you have Vinicius, you have Kamavinga, you have, you know, young players down in defense as well. You know, with Courtois, who isn't the who isn't the youngest, but he isn't the oldest either. You know, David Alaba is looking pretty solid. Yes, they need another couple of players in there, but they have the makings of a good team and they are looking pretty solid this season without an Mbappe. You know, Vinicius Junior has really come to his own and is really performing out of his skin so that is an interesting space to look at and if it does if it does materialize it is a good thing for world football in general because more interest in the eyes uh sorry more interest in the football played across the continent and i feel real madrid can get back to winning ways not only in the uh, in the local league in the local spanish league but also in the champions league as well where they can look for their 14th title their 15th title really elongate that uh, that gap between them and the second place team which i am not aware of but a 14th title never hurts anyone especially in the champions league so yeah another another interesting space to navigate through and really figure out what's going on there but i do feel that if mbappe does go to real madrid and if holland goes to any other hypothetical club say united or chelsea it helps boost not only their careers but also the the imagery and the credibility of the clubs they go to and that overall helps football grow even more because two more clubs become extremely competitive on the european stage and in the league stage and as i said competition breeds character and all we need in football is just more character to be honest no one can argue that that character is not building you know you can just take the champions league as an example over the past three years we've had three different winners and out of the three different winners you know it has been chelsea bayern and liverpool liverpool and bayern have waited a long time for their titles especially liverpool who waited the better part of two decades for their next for their sixth title and so has bayern munich they waited the better part of a decade and just so that you know you have different different teams making the champions league finals you know psg made it for the first time in 2020 Man City made it for the first time in 2021. Tottenham made it for the first time in 2019. And, you know, you can really see that the competition is really diversifying on a European stage. You have new teams coming up and there are more resurgent teams in the mix as well with AC Milan, you know, and they're the second biggest winners of the Champions League in history. Yeah, there are seven titles from what I've just Googled and Madrid are 14. It's just crazy, you know, double the titles to the next biggest club. And... They're looking good. They're looking solid this season in the Serie A. And even, even the Serie A goes very underrated nowadays, I feel. You know, the the dominance of Juventus over Italian football has really been shooken up. And it's really come to its own with Inter Milan winning last year's title. And Allegri has gone back to Juventus, but it isn't the Juventus he left. It really needs some work. And in that space uh, teams like Roma, Lazio, Napoli, AC Milan, all of these teams are really taking advantage of that void in dominance by Juventus and really stepping up to the plate and making making a name for themselves and 
if if you have historical teams who have been struggling for the better part of the last decade, actually for the entire decade, if you take teams like AC Milan, that's a very appropriate example, even Inter Milan, and they're really coming back with a vengeance and are really looking solid with a good core, good young core of players and a good manager and everything like that, everything around the club looks good. You can really see that you know, football is is diversifying again. It's becoming less predictable like it once was. You know, in the mid-2010s, you just had Madrid over the Champions League. You had City over the Premier League. And you had Barcelona over La Liga, Juventus over Syria, PSG over Liga, which is, again, you know, with Lille winning it and Monaco winning it in 2017 or 2018. That also starts, you know, helping to making the whole aspect of football more interesting and outside of football you have teams like Canada stepping up to the plate and really looking good uh, you have teams like the US with their with their young core really coming together with Dest, Pulisic etc etc and all of these North American teams if they go on to flourish in international competition that will never hurt football because the North American market is so big and if that is tapped into properly it can really help solidify football's dominance over global numbers and support because the North American market is the key to really helping football flourish over the next decade if they can really unlock that market and they can really seep into it properly and integrate itself into that into that space you can really see football becoming this global entity that no one can ever overthrow because football did the right thing by becoming this european centered sport but if it becomes a north american leaning sport as well that's it, the game's over. You know, you can kiss basketball, American football, cricket even goodbye because you really can't shake up that kind of dominance. So, again, if 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 the teams can really come together and really provide the kind of varied competition that the sport requires and if the sport can start producing new giants in the right markets with America, Canada and with newer and with newer competition in the leagues with Syria becoming less competitive, uh, sorry, more competitive with Liga becoming more competitive and both of these leagues being historically dominated by just the one teams respectively but now are being diversified and are being diversified in a manner where there are younger players really taking charge and there's a real future there it won't hurt the sport whatsoever if anything really complements the sport and that is where football is headed and if it is headed in that direction with us becoming more of a global entity and more of a unique sport in competition i would say football becomes the biggest sport period and no one can argue otherwise and it's not like as if football isn't the biggest sport in the world right now, let's be honest. Uh, no, the sport comes close when you factor in support and value. Uh, cricket comes close when it comes to viewership, but when it comes to the economic value of the sport, it really isn't as big as football. Cricket's taken really long strides in the past decade. It's become a multi-billion dollar sport, but nowhere close to the value of not only football when it comes to economic value, but financial value, sorry, but even basketball, American football, golf, tennis, all of these sports trample cricket's uh, financial value. But moving on. So when I say football becoming the biggest sport in this decade, I don't mean viewership or financially. Yes, that 
every stat suggests that that is reality right now. But I feel it is still very much debated, especially by cricket fans and especially by basketball and other American sports, because they come in from their separate uh, own biases of when it comes to cricket, it comes from the bias of viewership. And when it comes to American sports, it comes from the bias of financial value. There's no sport that can combine the two and be like, here, we are bigger than football on both of these aspects. But that's just it. Uh, it is because because it is so arguable on both these fronts by different sports, it is still argued. I feel that in, in this decade, football will really cement its place as the biggest sport in the world, period. No arguments from either side do, which represent either one of those aspects. And I feel because of that, this will be the decade that defines whether football can really become the biggest sport in the world because Messi and Ronaldo, Barcelona, Real Madrid, the Premier League, the Champions League, the World Cups, all of these things have really helped football plummet its, uh, uh, not plummet, that's the wrong word, accelerate itself to that number one spot, but it's still very much arguable by global sports fans. You know, when you tune into any American sports debate channel, your ESPNs or your Fox News is where you're Stephen A. Smith going at it, or, you know, uh, what are their names? Shannon Sharp and... I forget, Skip Bayless, when they're going at it, you know, hardly anyone talks about football on there. You have a few American analysts who represent European football who talk about it a little bit, but you really don't have your major voice on there. Until the time you don't have that major voice on there debating for European football in those markets, that debate will go on because those are the biggest sports debate channels or medias out there. So... That's another small facet where I feel it will really reach those markets as well. Or if not reach them, it will be much bigger influence in those markets by the end of this decade because it will be insurmountable that the challenge these sports will have to make when they have a GOAT debate or when they have which is the biggest sport in the world debate or when they have global value debate. They will have to give football their due credit because they will not be able to argue against it. So I feel even in that micro aspect, which is still very influential because that is what fuels every online debate across Twitter or any blog blogging channel or blogging website. It really does help cement its place as the number one sport in the world. I do believe that will happen and it will happen because of, of the few factors that I talked about previously but uh, in the episode but also because of varied other factors because you see football is really making its mark in North America like it said but I also feel it's really establishing itself in other markets as well with Asia being Indian I can tell you that football and the Premier League's fame has really shot up in these past few years with Manchester City fans popping up from every corner in India and even in Asia like even in the Chinese market cities making its mark Spurs fans have cropped up across the world you know you can look at any 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 city in in india and uh, in a place where you couldn't find any sort of spurs fan in 25 million people now you find like a million or two million people really religiously supporting spurs and all of these things all of these uh football clubs becoming brands and global brands across the world will really help cement football's place as the number one sport in the world and even become even bigger and really get that acknowledgement of competition 
a lot more. And more than that, there are other factors as well. You know, there are bigger names coming out of Asia and other places right now in the sport. You know, Haaland's one example that I took, you know, coming out of Norway, he's the biggest name in sport, in football, sorry, right now. Uh, second to Mbappe, Messi, Ronaldo, but give it another two years and he'll be one of the biggest names, if not the biggest names in the sport. You have bigger names coming out of more untapped regions like Mohamed Salah in Egypt, you know, Ziyech with Morocco. They're becoming more competitive in uh, national leagues and even African competitions and really helps uh, solidify that support needed for the for the sport and it's really it's really making its way around the globe like it has never before you know the pace of uh, football's popularity at which it's growing has never grown faster before because of this competition diversifying i feel because of more bigger names coming out of less known regions and really making their mark on world football so it really is complementary to football's popularity to football's quality but more more importantly to football's recognition and this decade will really help define that recognition it really will help solidify that recognition it really will help grow that recognition and i do believe that by the end of this decade it will be one of the few non debatable arguments of which is the biggest sport in the world it is football and that will be fact So, a lot of bold claims, a lot of speculation, but obviously, a lot of fun. As I was in the process of recording this episode, Sosha was sacked, Gerard has had his first win as Villa manager, let's go, and Steve Bruce wants to be the new interim Manchester United manager. <laughs> Good old Manchester United. So maybe it's not resurgence of all competition, exciting new personal rivalries, or establishing new fan bases that will help catapult football's popularity over the next decade. Could just be good old-fashioned drama and entertainment. And maybe that's all that's required, because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And speaking of new markets, we'll be extending this discussion and looking at the exciting times that basketball setting itself will have in the 2020s. Times have never looked more exciting with more teams than ever looking to get their hands on the Larry O'Brien trophy and even more players looking to become the heir to the soon-to-be-vacant throne of the NBA King. So on that note, hope you all had fun listening to this episode and we'll see each other in the next one.